Welcome to another edition of Montage with some thoughts on alternative health, in particular Chinese exercise and traditional Chinese medicine. Qigong's and acupuncture are tonight's show. We'll learn about Qigong's from two local practitioners who practice a form called Wild Goose Qigong. And we'll also talk a little bit about Shibashi. Also, we'll learn about acupuncture and how it can help in many areas of your health and just how it works and where it differs from that of more mainstream treatment. I'm your host, Ron Thompson. All this and more on tonight's Full Circle in this edition of Montage. Stay tuned. We're going to explore the oracle of the I Ching and the benefits of the slow directive movements of Qigong. What is Qigong? The word Qigong is made up of two Chinese words. Qi is pronounced C-H-E-E -E or C-H-I and is usually translated to mean life force or vital energy that flows through all things in the universe. The second word, gong, pronounced G-U-N-G, or you may see it sometimes pronounced K-U-N-G, means accomplishment or skill that is cultivated through steady practice. Together, qigong means cultivating energy. It is a system practiced for health maintenance, healing, and increasing vitality. Qigong styles can be as simple as swaying one's arms about or counting one's breath, and as complicated as holding a difficult position such as sitting with legs crossed in the so-called full lotus position for hours without blinking. 
practicing the ancient art of Tai Chi and Qigong boosts the health of older people by lowering blood pressure and strengthening the joints. A new study has revealed the benefits of the slow repetitive movements based on coordination and relaxation rather than muscular tension. Scientists from the Hong Kong Polytechnic University believe that by focusing the mind solely on the movements, it helps to bring on a state of mental calm which ultimately lowers blood pressure and helps to maintain a healthy heart. We begin by finding out how one instructor's journey to certification began so she could join in with the team members of Energy Matters to help their participants gain enhanced vitality, greater flexibility, and have fewer aches and pains, improved circulation and concentration, and more calmness and serenity. just retired after being an educator for 30 years. I was working in Oakland Unified School District and was a 24-7 workaholic. And when I retired, I was pretty exhausted and stressed and I decided that I wasn't gonna do anything. I was just gonna sit, relax, watch Korean dramas on TV and see what comes to me. And one day, in my mailbox was a postcard announcing Qigong classes in my neighborhood. I could walk to the studio. So I thought, I'm ready. I'm going to go just check it out. But I was still a little reluctant because I didn't want to commit. It was a weekly class for 16 weeks. So, But I went. Kirsten right here was my teacher. And after that first class, I was hooked. And that's what started my Qigong path. That is the voice of Miss Gail Wong, a practicing certified Qigong instructor of the Wild Goose Qigong forms. Practice. Wild Goose Qigong practice. Yes. And the person that she was referring to, Kirsten, well, introduce yourself to us, Kirsten, please. I'm Kirsten Lindquist, and I am the owner of Energy Matters Acupuncture and Qigong. I've been an acupuncturist for over 23 years and um, started teaching Qigong about 10 years ago. And it is one of the most fun things I do every week because I get to introduce people to their energy systems in a very in-body, hands-on sort of way, which differs from what I do in the acupuncture clinic. Tell mm -hmm. me, what is Qigong? Qigong is a way of learning about your own energy systems. So we believe that we are not just matter, but we are also made up of energy. And that's true of all people, all animals, all things on the planet. And as humans, uh, we're particularly prone to getting out of balance for all sorts of reasons that we can name, such as stress or lifestyle or our diet, injuries. 
And Qigong is one of the ways that allows us access to bringing our systems, our energy systems, back into greater balance, which then informs our physical well-being. Yes, it does. Gail, would you explain to us wild goose Qigongs, please? Sure. While, well, Qigong itself is 4,000 years old. And our particular form, Dayang Qigong, or wild goose Qigong, is 1,700 years old. It was created by a Buddhist monk, Dao An, who must have lived by a lake, observing nature and seeing these beautiful birds flying. Observing nature, I think that that's very important in life, and I think that that's absent a lot in what we do in the Western world. Kirsten, can you talk a little bit about the energy? You are a acupuncturist, and I know that they deal with the meridian and the electrical system. So what is the meridian? Big question, but I'll start breaking that down a little bit by talking about um, the five aspects of Chinese medicine, which will then take us to how the energy comes to be running through the meridians. So in Chinese medicine, we consider there are five aspects there. Acupuncture, nutrition, body work, herbs, and Qigong. And Qigong is considered the foundation to all the other systems of Chinese medicine. And all of those systems are working on the premise that there is qi or energy in our body. It's our life force energy. It runs just the same way that our blood vessels or our nervous system does, but we can't yet see it. We can't, there's not technology to x-ray it. I believe there will be at some point. Mm -hmm. I think that's where quantum physics and acupuncture will come together at some point and be able to show us our meridian systems. But we as practitioners believe that they're there and we see evidence in that in the work that we do. And basically we consider that there's chi flowing and if you have plenty of chi and it doesn't get stuck or bogged down, you feel good, you have good health. If you don't have enough energy, it's just kind of like your checking account. If you take more out than you put back in, your body has overdraft charges, we call them, <laughs> from the, in the energetic realm, mm -hmm. and that can lead to illness or imbalance. And if we do a practice like Qigong, which allows us to bring more healthy energy into our body, then we can heal from various imbalances. So, are you saying that this Qi, maybe we have a certain amount of it as mm. a child or as a baby coming into the world, as we grow we're not just using it, but we're depleting it some mm. as we get. So how can we tell we're depleting that and how can we get this, we get more, as you say, uh, uh, make a deposit <laughs> into our chi bank account in a sense. Mm. How can we do that? And how do I think about this chi? How do I think that now I'm using it or now it's stuck and I need to move it. How, how, help me form a picture of that in my mm -hmm. body so that I can work with that. Mm -hmm. Well, so if you first question you're asking is about how, how I might be spending my chi and also how I can bring it back in. Yes. And so I'll use the analogy both of checking account and savings account, which just sounds kind of crude, but it, it's a really good analogy because first of all, money is just an embodiment of our life force energy. It's an exchange that we use in this society. And so just like with our checking and savings accounts, in our energy realms, we have various um, energy saving centers. 
that's where we pull on for our daily use. So we have storages that if I'm just going about my day and going to work, seeing my friends, exercising, I'm using energy. And hopefully I'm putting energy back in through eating right, through resting, through meditation, through relaxation, all those ways that we restore ourselves. Sometimes life gives me greater challenges through illness or major stresses, transitions. Then I go into my savings account, just like I would do with money. And I take that out and that's fine. That's what it's there for, except if I don't know how to put it back in. And that's where we get into problems. Yes, yes. And that's where practices like Qigong allow us to learn how to literally bring Qi back into our bodies to restore that which we used. In Western culture, we don't get taught that much at all. We're pretty much, kind of, yeah, I was talking about the workaholic um, prototypes. I mean, that's normal in Western culture for most people. We just go, go, go. It's like the Energizer Bunny until you run out. And we're not taught how to restore. Right. So, Gail, tell me, what are some of the first exercises that come to mind uh, to help replenish your chi? Just, it's a very slow and gentle, yet very powerful movements. So we start out with some warm-ups, just to loosen our bodies up, relax our bodies. And the first one we start is with our hands on our kidneys and just very slowly rotate our waist. And that feels so good, and that's a very restorative uh, energy that comes into your body. As, as I'm watching you do that and watching the gesture in your hands, what I see, the sense I get, is that as you're rotating, you're kind of massaging the kidneys with where your hands are placed and the movements. You may not be attempting to do that, but I can see and, and understanding that the way that energy flows, I would say that energy is probably coming out of your hands, going into your kidneys as well. Right. We bring, in this form and in the warm-ups, we're bringing the energy from the universe into our systems. We're exchanging this energy, and we're expelling stagnant or sickness chi. So there's a constant work with it, bringing it in, exchanging, and cultivating this chi. Yes, yes. For our particular form, the breathing is a natural breathing. We're, there are some forms of qigong where you're deliberately inhaling and exhaling. For our form, Dayang qigong, it's a natural breathing. But the way that we hold our bodies in some positions allows the breath and the qi to flow. We're opening up our chest, we're opening up our ribs, and the breath moves more freely. So as the breath is moving more freely, it seems that you could maybe direct it if you had a mind to it. I, I think that in our form, just by virtue of holding certain positions, the chi is flowing naturally. We're not, I mean, we can move chi through our intentions. Mm -hmm. So if I can't, for instance, reach my toes on certain moves, just thinking about it, focusing on it, being mindful, I can move the chi. That's the word I was looking for, intention. When you're intending to do something, when you're, when you're focused in that direction, then you get that support. I would say that's a uh, major benefit of what's happening with Qigong. Kristen, I understand that 
Qigong really work well with the knees, with the joints? Can you speak to that a little bit? Mm. So, our, well, I'll speak to the knees first because I hate to think that we would have any design flaws in our bodies, but knees are a particularly weak spot, I have noticed. And uh-huh. so a lot of people have knee issues. I for one. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> mine are pretty creaky too. Uh, so part of what this form does is bring chi, free flow of chi throughout the body. So again, our knees are a place where chi can get stuck because of probably we sit too much in modern culture or different reasons Mm -hmm. and so by allowing for the free flow of chi throughout the body that alone can help the knees then specifically we have certain warm-ups that give particular emphasis to the health and the chi of the knees Uh, knees are also controlled by the kidney system in chinese medicine and the kidney system is one of the major focuses of this form because it is our deepest savings account so by strengthening the kidneys even with simple warm-up gail was mentioning that will strengthen the knees. Speaking about other joints, so again, when you have pain, it's very basic. It's the first thing you learn, one of the first weeks of acupuncture school, you learn that if there's pain, there's stuck energy. So we talked about there not being enough energy. The other way our body goes out of balance is being stuck. And it gets stuck through injury, through our emotions, through our diet, joints. If you have joint pain, you have stuck energy there. It's pretty simple. It's not necessarily simple to treat it, but that's the concept is simple. Qigong, by doing Qigong, you're moving energy through all of your joints. Therefore, people frequently report that their joints hurt less. I agree. Every morning, I get up and I'm doing Tai Chi. Qigong's first. And I know that if I don't get up and move my body, Mm -hmm. I'm going to regret it during the day when I start to move my body. (laughs) There is a great difference. If you've just tuned in, we've been talking with Gail and Kristen of Energy Matters. They do acupuncture and qigong. They're both certified instructors of qigong. Kristen is an acupuncturist. They say that Energy Matters works with people who want to return their bodies to the way it was meant to function through a holistic lifetime approach in full harmony and vitality. I love that. It is very nice. Tell us a little bit more how you were led here, both of you. I'd like to hear your story. Well, I can start with, um, I was led to Chinese medicine in my early mid-twenties because I used to get sick all the time. I used to work with kids and I was sick all the time. It didn't work out very well. Um, And I was led to Chinese medicine and had tremendous changes through acupuncture and herbs, which led me to becoming an acupuncturist. And then I started my own business, which is great and exciting and demands a lot of energy. And I didn't have a good chi practice at that point. And so about five years into my practice, I wouldn't say I crashed and burned, but I was really, really depleted. And that, um, through friends, I was led to the Wenwu School in El Cerrito, where I started studying wild, wild goose qigong with Master Wei Liu. And it brought me from kind of getting through my day to a level of vitality that I never really experienced even before I started my practice. And so that caught my attention. <laughs> that made me a believer and uh, went on from there to uh, be certified so that I could teach my patients the form. Gil, what is it like going through the certification? It's an intense program. It's a year-long program, but this is after many years of practice, so maybe you need a minimum of 
two or three years in this particular form and then you apply to certification and it was overseen by Master Wee Liu at, at the Wenwu School and we met once a week for a year taking tests and both uh, written tests about traditional Chinese medicine and the theory behind it as well as the form and we had many corrections of the form and so we had to pass this intense program. It, it does sound intensive especially with uh, the complete set of forms in Wild Goose being 64 positions. That's 64 movements, yes. 64 movements. Yes, it's a beautiful form. It's very, it's a flowing form. Um, the movements are precise but you can also do it where you're just, you're moving. I mean, we have people coming to, I lead a practice group. We have people joining the practice group. Some have no experience and they join in. So they're also moving their chi. But the more you get into it, you learn where you hold certain, your positions, you're making connections with the points and that enhances the, the flow of chi. How do you recognize that you're making if I'm doing that particular position, will I just notice that, oh, I feel better in that area now, or will I, will something let me know I'm deactivated, will it light up, how will I right. know? Right, well, this program is so uh, was so intense, we had to get corrections, and every two years, we need to go through a recertification, because inevitably, the form drifts a little bit. But more importantly, just, I remember getting corrected by Kirsten and we were doing a position, just standing meditation, and I moved my hands slightly, maybe a, a quarter of an inch, and the difference I felt mm. with the chi flowing into my hands, just that slight movement, opened it up a little bit, uh, allowed the chi to flow, and I, I felt this chi flowing into my hands. It's, it was amazing. It sounds like it. It's Kristen, what other alignments of the body do we have off as we're moving around that we might not know about and are blocking our chi, as you say? I, you know, I, I ask you that in terms of a correction that you made mm -hmm. with uh, Gail in doing a form, mm -hmm. but I imagine we're walking around out of alignment of some sort that uh, would really help if we if we were no, if, if we knew about it. So can you tell me a little bit about the body and maybe how we can uh, correct ourselves as we're standing or walking in, in the few minutes we have remaining? Can you talk about that? Sure. So again, there's several ways that our chi goes out of balance, and one way, and this is sort of what Gail was reflecting in the posture correction, is our posture. When we are in a cramped or uncomfortable or slumped posture, by definition, not even talking qigong, just basic moving around the world, our qi is not going to be moving very well. So we don't mean about having sort of rigid posture. So anytime I'm rigid, my qi also isn't flowing well. So being able to ask myself, even as I'm sitting in this chair, am I comfortable? Do I feel like the qi or even my body is in alignment? or do I feel kind of crunched or slumped? Hmm, better lift my chest, bring my shoulders back, then I can breathe more easily. So that's, I think, one thing, just to, just asking your body, how's it feeling? 
and is there anything I can do to help you feel better? Sometimes we don't talk to our body, or if we talk to our body, we ignore what it says. <laughs> so listening to it. But the other way, so energy affects our physical body, but there's other things that affect our energy that's not physical. So our emotions, I think that's a huge place where our energy gets stuck. So if I had one teacher who would talk about that you have, let's say you have a, a hundred units of energy for the day, but if you're still thinking about the argument you had with somebody yesterday, well, 30 units are back there. And if you're thinking about what you're gonna do tomorrow, you got 20 units over there. And if you didn't get enough sleep, maybe you were already 20 down, so you only got, I didn't do the math, but you only have about, you know, 30 left for the day, right, right? right? So if you can think about all the ways that your energy gets scattered and think about pulling it back into your system, then your body has more to work with. I like that. And I hear you saying these are ways to be mindful about your own self and what you're carrying and what you're experiencing before you even interact with anyone to interact with yourself, notice yourself. Because if I'm talking to myself, it would suggest that I would have to listen back <laughs> <laughs> to really make it a conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's one of the uh, gifts that the Asian world has, has given, the Eastern world has given to the Western world. Can I ask if there's anything that we haven't talked about that's present for you, Gail, that you might want to share with. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I would like to end with is we talk about aging gracefully, mm -hmm. and I feel like I hear so many people saying, oh, this aging process, I hate it, I hate it, and fighting it and getting angry. So I think I've come to embrace this idea of gracefully aging and really I'm loving it and I and I can't say that you know I'm not going through I don't have any aches and pains I'm dealing with shoulder issue I've got some knee I've got some slight arthritis in my knee I've got some other health issues but I feel like now I have tools I have tools to help me with this process and I'm 70 years old and I'm feeling very vibrant and good life force energy. I love it. I love it. And you don't look a day over 55. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the idea of having these tools to work with. Because I, I go back to myself. If I wasn't using these tools, then this bag of bones would feel, I think feel is the optimum word, because I hear that's what you're talking mm -hmm. about, putting that smile on your face being in a better space as you're walking around, knowing that these tools are available and then learning how to use them mm -hmm. is very important because energy matters. <laughs> right, exactly. Kristen, same question to you. Is there anything that you have that you'd like to share with us in these last minutes? Yeah. It's, a, it's echoing what Gail said, which is that part of what gives me so much joy in the work that I do both with acupuncture and qigong is that we have people come to us in their 50s, 60s, 70s and they go through these health enhancing processes and they will tell us I feel better than I did 20 years ago. I feel better than I ever have in my life. So it's totally not true that it's all downhill from here which is that sort of idea that's out there in the world you get to a certain age and it's just gonna get worse. It's not true. It doesn't matter where you are and how old you are that if you start paying attention to your body and giving it the tools, giving it more chi, 
it can do a lot. Not everything, you know, it's like we're not, but the concept of aging gracefully, it's absolutely true. We see it every day. I love it. Energy does matter <laughs> though, right? You have been listening to this edition of Montage and my very special guests, Gail and Kristen of Wild Goose Chigong and Acupuncture Centers. Tell us where you're located. <laughs> We're located at 4341 Piedmont Avenue in Oakland. Is and that on the bus line? Yeah. It is on the mm-hmm. bus line. And not far from BART. <laughs> and we also offer classes, beginning classes in Dayang Qigong. We have four classes per week, so we invite all of the listeners out there to join us in the classes. This is a mindset and an energy set that will put a smile on your face. If I can judge by the smile on these ladies' faces and the smile on my face as I'm in their presence, you will want to experience Wild Goose Jigong. I am excited about what you're doing. We will come and see you and experience Wild Goose. And I want to say thank you very much for you two for joining me and being part of the explanation to the greater bay about Chigong's. Thank you. Thank you to you, Ron. Welcome back to Montage. The Chinese I Ching is the oldest of all the classical divination systems. It is also one of the oldest books in the world. Its first interpretive text was composed around 1000 BC. The I Ching's actual discovery and much of its early history are the stuff of legends. The I Ching, or Book of Changes in English, represents 64 archetypes that make up all the possible six-line combinations of yin and yang, called hexagrams. Yin and yang is the fundamental duality of the universe, whose dynamic tension gives shape to all phenomena and the changes they go through. Examples of yin and yang polarity are female, male, earth, heavens, dark, light, in, out, even, odd, and so on. The interpretation of the 64 hexagrams describe the energy of human life divided into 64 types of situations, relationships, or dilemmas. Each hexagram can be analyzed in a number of ways. Divide the six-line forms in half and you get trigrams, three yin or yang lines that represents the Chinese version of the eight fundamental elements, sky, earth, thunder, wind, water, fire, mountain, and lake. These eight trigrams, known as Hua, 
also serve as the compass points of the ancient art of placement known as feng shui. There are a number of myths surrounding the origin of the eight trigrams and the development of the Yijing divination system. In one tale, Fu Shi, the first emperor of China, 2737 to 2852 BC, is said to have observed a turtle emerging from the Yellow River. Knowing that true wisdom came from the direct and close observation of nature, he had a sudden realization of the significance of eight symbols he saw on the turtle's back. He saw how the sets of three solid or broken lines, the trigrams, reflected the movement of energy in life on earth. A similar myth described Fushi's contemplation of other patterns in nature, including animals, plants, meteorological phenomenon, and even his own body. These myths describe how he identified the trigrams that arose from his understanding of the connection of all things through the interplay of yin and yang. My guest is Michael Fitzgerald. Michael Fitzgerald is a licensed acupuncturist and owner of Stone Mountain Medicine in Berkeley, where he practices traditional Chinese medicine and runs his herbal pharmacy. He is a graduate of the American College of Traditional Medicine in San Francisco and spent eight years in Taiwan and Beijing honing his skills as a traditional healer. He is fluent in Mandarin and has translated a number of books on TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, one of which will be coming out later this year from the Eastland Press. Michael is also an instructor at the Academy of Chinese Culture and Health Sciences in Oakland. One of his goals as a teacher and health provider is to show that many of Chinese medicine's seemingly unusual ideas are actually grounded in everyday life. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Ron. Thanks for having me. So, Michael, what led you to Chinese medicine? Well, that's a long story, but uh, I was originally a botany major, so I've always had an interest in plants. I love plants, and I've always been interested in how humans use plants. I got into Western herbalism and uh, found that in its theory or application, it was using a lot of Western medicine things, which is nothing wrong with that at all. But I was interested in sort of the history of it as well. And when you begin to study Chinese medicine, of course, Chinese culture is very relatively intact compared with some of Western culture. I mean, science, of course, is a fabulous thing. But you lost some of the traditional culture and traditional knowledge. And uh, so that led me down that path because I was very interested in their theories and their ideas, uh, both as somebody who was trying to use the medicine, but also just sort of uh, in terms of like anthropology, like I was just interested in, in those ideas. Interesting. Now, when you say Chinese medicine is very much intact, that's a very interesting idea. And that takes me to thinking about what the origin, where did this all begin, this particular train of thought, this particular line of study? Well, Chinese culture, of course, is very, very, very old. And because of their geography, they're sort of isolated from the rest of the world, except for that Silk Road. But um, so it's had many permutations. The most recent one started a few thousand years ago, and it's sort of based on this map uh, that uh, we know as the I Ching or the Book of Changes, actually started out just as a, a set of di uh, trigrams. People may be familiar with it, but this is a map sort of of how the world works 
or the places of things. And we fit in there, of course, like everything on the earth, on earth does. Um, we being the humans on the earth. Yeah, humans. Yeah, but animals, plants, of course, we're all here in it. And this is a map. And there's two maps with the I Ching. Um, one is what they call the pre-heaven map, and one is they call the post-heaven map. These were developed, supposedly, by two different people. The pre-heaven map is the older of the two, started by a man, whether he was mythical or not, called Fu Shi. And he, what that did, and we don't have visuals here, but it laid out eight trigrams in positions that basically established a polar relationship between those. In other words, if, anybody, if you're familiar with the I Ching and they have these three trigrams, Sol solid lines is yang and uh, three broken lines is yin, and those are laid opposite on this circular map to each other. So what that map does is essentially, it's very complicated, but in a very simple way, set up a polar or yin-yang relationship. That layout, that kind of clock, that kind of octogram would be, or octagon would be, uh, the combination of those short and long lines. Exactly, different permutations. Okay, that is teaching us or telling us about the arrangement of, as you say, the living forces on the earth, the, the plants, the animals, the uh, the humankind. Well, essentially what it's, it's doing is a, it's a saying, and you know, based on their idea of how things work, that there's a fundamental polar relationship in the world. And we see this in some ways, like night and day. You know, we have two genders. It, this is what they saw. So, so they're establishing polar relationships, and they say that's sort of the fundamental, I call it background of the world, or law of nature, or the Tao, that's operating through things. Okay, that's really interesting. Tell me, that brings the I Ching, the Book of Changes, or as you say correctly, the I Ching, that brings us to thinking about the theory of qi. Can you talk a little bit about that, about qi? Yeah, that, um, you know, one of the things I try to explain to my students is that uh, the Chinese uh, often use language, they use language differently than we do here in the West. And one thing I mean by that is that they put a lot more meanings into one word than maybe we would. We would choose this word means that one thing or maybe two different things, you know. So qi can get very complicated, but at its root, it is the non-substantial force in the, in the world, as opposed to sub-substance, as opposed to flesh and, and bones. Qi is that motive force for our body, that quote-unquote spark of life or something. And again, this fits into, in the human body, the polar relationship between qi and, and blood. Everybody, from the beginning of time, they cut themselves, they saw they had blood, right? But, you know... They, they saw when somebody died that there was something lacking. You know, there's warmth lacking, there's animation is lacking. This force that creates motion or, 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 or activity is called qi. Qi. Part of what an acupuncturist will do or an acupressurist is to help to unstick or unblock qi. That's a so good way of putting it. that suggests that it's flowing right, through right. us, uh, but it's also around us as well as in us. Uh, speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so that sort of touches a little bit upon what I mean by qi having many different meanings in a way, and they're related, but they're distinct. And, and one meaning of qi really is just the Chinese character for it is steam coming off of rice. So qi is a gas, so qi is air. So qi that is around us that you spoke, if we just eliminate any living objects, quote unquote, from there, is air. 
and hence climate. In the human body, qi again is that motive force. But there is this connection, obviously, in Chinese medicine. They saw everything as interrelated, that uh, this map that we spoke of with the I Ching was just a, a map of the universe in which all things are, are related to each other, whether it's a polar relationship or as in the later uh, map I spoke of, which is called the post-heaven map, which is a uh, is a five-element layout of those same trigrams in a different pattern. So qi, again, is many things, but qi is partly the climate and the outside temperature and the changing weather and the changing seasons of the world. And then there's the qi in our body, and they respond, well, the outside heaven doesn't respond too much to us. I mean, unless you're talking about global warming or something, but <laughs> but um, but we, our body is like a giant sensing machine and sensing many things. And one of the things it it responds to is changes in temperature and changes in climate and changes in season. Mm -hmm. And this is something the Chinese saw. You know, when it's hot, you sweat more. Your body heats up. It tries to cool down in the winter. You know. The outside your body is cold, you tend to urinate more, your body responds to the environment and under good circumstances everything goes fine and when it doesn't, this is how the Chinese saw it, when it didn't it would, might create illness. Okay, interesting. If you've just joined us, we're talking to my guest and my doctor of traditional Chinese medicine, Michael Fitzgerald. He is a licensed practitioner and a instructor of traditional Chinese medicine and my friend and my guest today. Michael, can you continue on now with the fifth part of this segment in this number? So the five, again, I think is, is what that, in, in terms of like relation to historically Western herbalism or Western philosophy, where they had four elements. The fifth is something unique to Chinese, as far as I understand. And so we have the seasons, the four seasons, but then we have the hub of the wheel, which is the earth element, which is the center, for which all the other movements depend upon. So that's their way of saying um, that this movement we see in the seasons has a center. And in a sense, that's the center of, of uh, in the scheme of things, are humans, because again, it's humans who invented all this, humans responding to these changes and then on an individual level or a micro level in our body, it's our digestion, which is the root of our post-heaven or postnatal health, and which all the organs in some way touch upon. But that being said, there is a sort of five-element generative cycle and a five-element or five-phase controlling cycle. It's very complicated, but basically, you know, winter leads to spring, so water generates wood, wood generates fire fire goes in and generates earth and earth then generates metal so it's not a direct cycle around the seasons it goes down to the middle so there's lots of ways to look at it but that's and then you of course metal being autumn leads to to water so but what that is if we can get caught up in the names i think i think it's a little bit like a a, a card game because if you focus on the names whether it's wood or they're very useful metaphors but what they're talking about is a, a type of energy, like we said, stillness, rootedness, substantial energy, you know, calming energy. We have this in our nervous system, right? We have the, the uh, rest and digest. Then we have creative beginning energy, expansive energy, the beginning motive, motive force in the body. When, then when that motive force is at its peak, 
you know, we have fight, fight or flight, mm-hmm. we have activity, you know, um, then we have this, again, coming down from the peak, going back inward, concentrating towards substance and downward movement. One way that is in the body, for example, is the digestive function always moves down. Nobody wants their digestive fun- functions to move up, right? That's after you've had too much to drink on a Saturday. So healthy digestion goes down. And this sort of relates to rest and digest. Um, and, and so it's, this, it's these patterns that keep repeating everything in nature. That's why I say that that map of the I Ching, when we had the pre-heaven eight, eight, uh, I Ching map and the post-heaven, this is just a map that they laid out and they said all things in the universe act on these principles. It's a little bit different how each thing does it, but they all fall within these patterns. I see. So that's the thinking in the approach of you may have something going on with the kidney, but you've got to give a little bit of consideration to the liver as well. Or to you very well might have to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, 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 Rarely is, I wouldn't say rarely, but it's not always the case that there's just one system that's out of whack. Although there is, but often you might have to consider other systems in helping to balance that one system. They're, they're, they're complementary in the healing because they yes. are affected in the disease that's yes. happening that you're experiencing. Correct. Very interesting. Boy, this is not going to happen in one show. So now, uh, let's talk a little bit about, or or give us a little bit of an intro, since you've given us uh, uh, some of the anatomy, both of what's happening with the world or a small universe and what's happening in the body. Uh, Give us a little bit of intro to Chinese medicine in terms of the components that are being used Mm -hmm. in Chinese medicine. Okay. So, so the human body is made primarily of four substances, uh, healthy substances, qi, again, that motive force, the peristalsis of the digestion, you know, the heart pumping through the, the body and whatnot. There's a motive force or spark or something that the body's moving on. That's qi. Blood is just blood. Blood is that substance which holds qi, which guides qi and creates the flesh, you know, is made of the body. So there's chi, there's blood, there's fluids. As we know, we have saliva, we have tears, uh, we have fluids in the body, and those things help lubricate and nourish and, and, and moisten and things like that. Then we have what's called essence. Now, essence gets a little more vague, although it does have a component that refers directly to uh, the essence that creates human life. Now, they spoke much more of in in terms of Taoism of men like keeping their sperm and all that stuff essence means sperm in one regard they didn't talk as much at least to my knowledge I'm not an expert in this side of it to women's essence but certainly it does play a component we use that concept in like issues of infertility or whatnot but also just in general health because essence is this sort of concentrated substantial life form that is one of the roots of substances of the body, a very important substance that you feed off, in a sense, for all the other things. Okay. Yeah. So we're using, we're trying to balance those substances, see if there are any problems with those substances. If you had a chi, weakness of chi, then you might just feel low energy, or you might have a, a weak heart, or you might have a sluggish digestive system. 
Okay, you'd have low chi. Maybe you tend to run cold. You'd have weak chi. If you had blood deficiency, some of those signs are sort of similar to anemia. You know, you might feel weak. You might feel lightheaded. Okay. Um, but there's also other problems that happen to blood. That there's blood stasis, where the flow of blood is not well. That may relate to the quality of the blood or thickness of the blood or its coagulating factors or wow. whatnot. So blood can become static. Chi can become static too, and not and not flow. Like you said earlier, it's all about keeping things flowing and keeping things unblocked. How would you discover that as the as the acupuncturist? How is that something you can tell because you're trained and you can see that in me, or is that something that you're measuring? Uh, uh, through the meridians, through what you're doing with uh, taking the pulse? Well, A, I don't have any special powers, but I've been trained in this medicine. But it's not that hard in some way. If somebody comes to you and they look really low energy, even though they got eight hours of sleep and they seem to be eating well, but they're just always low energy, you say, boy, you look like, you know, you look really fatigued or worn out or something. And that could be chi deficiency. There might be signs of blood deficiency, but, you know, that's chi deficient. That could be a sign of chi deficiency. Um, I like to tell my students, you know, your chi is deficient every day at 11.59. That's why you eat. You know what I mean? So you're going, whoa, I need, you know, I got low blood sugar. Okay, at least temporarily you're chi deficient. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. That's just part of life, right? right? right, right. <laughs> so we just look at people sometimes and get an idea, you know, what's going on. As I said, you know, your complexion is a big part of that. You know, some people have a very dusky or purplish complexion. It's not common, but... We would say, oh, you look, you know, there seems to be some problem with blood circulation in this person. And that might be localized in their leg. It might be in their complexion. We look at the complexion. We look at the tongue. The tongue shows us the state mostly of chi and blood and health of the digestive system, primarily. Sometimes the nervous system, because some people's tongue will shake or quiver or something like that, indicating there's some sort of, you know, stress factor or perhaps, in, in some cases, obviously could be problems in the brain. Hmm. So we're using, you know, I like it, liken it to a black box. The people who developed this system didn't have a machine that says your calcium is at this level and your uh, platelets are at this level and all that. So what's going on in this box that I can't see internally I, and I look from the outside? And the other way is, so we look at the tongue, we look at the complexion, and we feel the pulse. And the pulse at its very simplest really is just, um, you know, is it weak or is it pounding? Or is it seem taut and wiry? And it gets a lot more detailed than that? Yes, yes, because you look at it with, you take a person's arms, both arms, both hands, yes. and you use three fingers on both. Right, right. <laughs> both hands. And that's, that's always intrigued me. And you're you're getting that information from both hands, whether or not it's wiry, whether or not it's, it's weak, whether or not it's... Right. Uh, more often than not, most people's pulses are relatively consistent on both sides. But it may sound strange to people who don't feel pulses every day, but you'll find it many situations where the right and left pulse are very different. The left may be very weak, whereas the right is tight or vice versa. Now, is that because the blood is pumping from the heart on one side and returning on the other side? It very well may be. I, you know, honestly, I haven't read much about that specific sort of idea, but certainly that's the, at least perhaps an implicit idea, is that the heart is on the left and it's perhaps a little bit stronger on that side or whatnot, but sometimes it's weaker on that side. Hmm. And this pulse has broken it down into to two parts. So 
Let me backtrack a little here because the way I, I like to look at Chinese medicine is that there were people a long time ago who saw real things happen just like now. I, I picture myself as, you know, I'm seeing exactly what someone a thousand years ago might have seen, but the way I explain it is just different. And they had their language based on certain ideas, and it's very useful stuff. We just need to sort of unravel it or decode it or just use it as it is because it's great. You know, I think a lot of it's good. A lot of it I like to kind of use my own modern explanation. But um, they explained it in this in a certain language. And part of that language was that, again, I talked about these substances, chi, blood, fluids, essence. These were like vital substances. These organs that we've been talking about, the kidney, the liver, the heart, the spleen, the lung, these all hold, held vital substances, and it was important to conserve those substances. And so, in my own opinion, I'm thinking, why did they, why, how did they come about with this idea? Maybe, maybe not. I have this idea that most cultures around the world eat internal organs, and particularly liver is a very, very healthy organ. We know it has a lot of iron and B vitamins and all this stuff. So, I think they had this idea like, whoa, this is, this is concentrated energy. The kidneys, the heart, these concentrated muscles, very nutritious. And they thought, oh, well, this is because these things that we talk about are concentrated in here. So they named all their illnesses as an imbalance of those organs. They saw the organs as the root of, of this body where it's holding on to these substances and you need to not overuse them need to have a life of moderation that you're not expending too much of those energies, whether it be blood or essence or chi or whatever, from those organs. And they name things in the organ. Although I must, I'll just add quickly, and this is another subject, in, in let's say 3,000 years of Chinese medicine, there were differences. You know, 2,000 years ago, there was a book called the Shang Han Lun, perhaps based on some of the ideas I've been talking about, they use a little bit different system. Yeah, 20 seconds. Okay. So... So, and then, the, then the, besides these five things that hold essence that you shouldn't expend, they had the yang, those were yin, those were holding energy. There were the yang organs, which are basically all bowels of some sort, the intestines, the stomach, the bladder, an empty sac, uh, the gallbladder, which has bile and, and, you know, releases it. These were the yang organs, which were meant to be open and keep moving. Nobody wants to be blocked up in any way in any of those things. That's very bad. Not at all. So all these terms, the Chinese medicine we use today uses these terms to explain all illness. So somebody says you have a kidney problem, you don't necessarily want to think, oh, I might have an actual problem with my kidneys. They might be talking about reproductive health. They might be talking about the bladder or the kidney or there's just that general energy of being able to calm down and be rooted which, of course, in this modern world is very, can be very difficult. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to squeeze this stuff into a sausage case or something like that, and I really don't want you to jam anything. I know, I knew that this was going to be much too much to try to do in one setting. Will you come back and talk with us I'd again? be happy to. Yeah, I'd love to. Time goes much, much too fast. We have been speaking with Michael Fitzgerald, who is a licensed acupuncturist and owner of Stone Mountain Medicine in Berkeley. How can folks get in touch with you, Mike? You can call my office at 549-9905. You can find me on the web. My website's not quite up yet. I'm just getting started, but it's at stonemountainmed.com. 
Um, Monday and Wednesdays, I'm at the, uh, the Academy of Chinese Culture and Health Sciences in Oakland, where I'm in the clinic guiding students. You can also see me there. Yes. Give us that phone number one more time. 510-549-9905. It has been a stone pleasure completely for me to have you come in and talk about this. Me too. Please do it again. Thank you. I'd like to. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. I want to say thank you to my guest, Michael Fitzgerald, Kristen Lindquist, and Gail Wong. The executive producer for Full Circle is Miss M. Our technical director is freewheeling Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production consultant. My board operator has been Vika Aronson. Also, I'd like to thank J.C. Howard and Josiah Luis. I've been your producer and host. I'm Ron Thompson. Thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle with Montage. Stay tuned. Up next is La Onda Baita. And thanks for tuning in and staying tuned in to this edition of Montage. We're very interested in your health and your well-being. So this is a continuation of our look at alternative medicine. I don't care how much money you have or don't have. Your health is your wealth. Take care of it. I wish you love, peace, and happiness. <laughs>